Jesus said when He came that He came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And as we've seen over the last few weeks, Peter also tells us that God's provided everything that we need to live that godly life and to have that abundant life. And that's, that life is ours, as he tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-11, through if we add faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love to our lives. But it must be prevalent not only on Sunday, but on every day of our lives, every day of the week. And doing what Peter tells us to do will make our calling and election sure. It will make us so that we are successful, so that we are productive and fruitful in the kingdom of God. And it will afford us an entrance into heaven. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Galatians chapter 5, as it was just read for us, that we are to walk in step with the Spirit. And when we walk in step with the Spirit, it will produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and people will see those things in our lives. And we need to have love, joy, long-suffering, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And when we have those things in our lives, it shows that we are walking with the Spirit. And in 1 John chapter 3, and verse 24, it says, "...and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us." I mentioned a few weeks ago that sometimes we need someone to just tell us when life seems to be in turmoil that everything is just going to be okay. And I really believe that we need to hear that sometimes. As a child, we grew up and we would hear that from our parents and it just meant everything was going to be fine. Sometimes as adults, we need to hear the same thing. But I want us to realize there's another phrase in our lives that we need to hear. And we need to encourage one another with that term, with the terms that we see on the screen. That yes, we can do it. And I believe that that's what God is telling us. And so this morning, I want to add the can do attitude of patience to our lives. Because patience is listening to God's word and allowing it to tell us that you can do what He's asking us to do. We can have those Christian graces in our lives. We can walk with the Spirit, and it will produce that fruit of the Spirit if we will allow it to do so. But actually, the word peace, as it's used here in these verses, has no true equivalent in the English. Even though this word appears 14 times in the New Testament, 12 times in the King James Version, the translators rendered the word long-suffering. And twice they used the word patience. The Greek speaks of the ability of pressing on. In other words, when we have patience, we have the ability to press on. No matter what happens, whatever comes our way, we continue doing what God wants us to do. Whatever the circumstances may be, whatever obstacle we may come in contact with, we press on. We keep going. And in classical Greek, it's a word that is used to describe oxen plowing the field. Maybe you've seen pictures of that. Maybe you've witnessed it in person. But an oxen, when it starts to plow, it just continues to go. 
It doesn't matter what obstacles it comes up against. It doesn't matter if it runs in or there's a rock or a tree root or a stump. It just keeps on doing what it's supposed to do. It doesn't matter if the uh, the person that's handling that oxen is inexperienced and doesn't know what it's doing. That oxen just keeps on going. It doesn't matter how hot it is outside. It doesn't matter if it's raining. It doesn't matter if there's bugs that are bothering it. It just keeps plowing on. And that's a picture of what God wants us to be. It's kind of like what we see on a commercial. haven't seen it in a while, but that Energizer Bunny who just keeps going and going and going. Well, that Energizer Bunny, his purpose is to advertise batteries. The auction has a purpose of plowing that field or carrying that burden that it's pulling behind. But we have a tremendous responsibility in our lives. We want to get to heaven. That's our goal. And sometimes it seems like it's going to be difficult and impossible. But yes, we can do it. And we just have to keep on keeping on whatever comes our way. There was a regular commercial flight from Portland, Maine to Boston that I read about in various news articles that took that was written about it in September of fourth of uh, nineteen eighty seven. The event actually had, took place on September the third. But at the takeoff of the plane, the pilot heard an unusual noise in the back of the aircraft, and he went to investigate, and he realized that what he was what he heard rattling on takeoff was actually the door to the to the uh, airplane. And when he grabbed a hold of the latch, the door flung open, and he went flying out. The co-pilot was flying the plane at that particular time, and so he radioed back to the tower and said that he needed to make an emergency landing and that they needed to send a rescue unit out because the pilot had been sucked out of the plane and had probably landed in the ocean. And so they needed to get someone out to find him. The plane landed safely. The ground crew found Henry Dempsey hanging on to the ladder of the plane. The plane had been flying at 200 miles an hour at 4,000 feet. When it landed on the, air, uh, on the runway, the pilot that had been sucked out and was hanging on to the ladder, his head was probably about 6 to 12 inches from the ground. News reports said that several airport personnel, it took them several minutes to pry Dempsey's fingers from the ladder. Now that's hanging on. But I think that we see in his case, because when you read the articles, he said, I don't want to be bothered. I'm just thankful that I can see the sunrise. I think that when we look at a situation like that, we can see the, the need to hang on. We can see the result if he failed to hang on, that he most likely would be dead. But he hung on because he realized that there was something that was valuable, that it was his life that was at stake. And so he hung on and he persevered and he, he kept doing what he needed to do even as they ran down, or came down that runway. And I can't even imagine going down the runway, landing at that speed with your head that close to the ground because it turned out that when he went out, he was sucked out 
upside down as he was hanging from that ladder. That's a picture of patience, perseverance, long-suffering. And we're talking about the today. The ability to hang on, to endure when it would have been easier to just let go. Paul says it says this about our spiritual endurance. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. <clears throat> and not only so, but we glory in tribulation also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the Lord, love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. What Paul is telling us is that suffering helps us to endure. That suffering teaches us to be patient. And that patience builds character, and character builds hope. So we need to hang on. We realize when we obey the Gospel that it wasn't just a short trip. That first picture was a course that it looked like people were running, but you notice it went out over the hills. The course that we're running as a Christian, it doesn't stop when we get up out of the baptistry. It keeps on and it's a marathon and we run and we run. And sometimes we get tired. But we have to keep on keeping on. And so the first point I want us to look at this morning is that we all are in need of patient endurance, perseverance, and long-suffering. You see, Christianity is a religion of perseverance and keeping on, keeping on. Hanging on when it's difficult. Hanging on when it's not easy. Hanging on because we realize the value of what's at stake, and that is our soul. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36, For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. There we realize that if we hang on, if we hold on, God's given us a promise and we're going to have that home in heaven. So in the end, it's going to be worth whatever we have to go through in this life. And just like that oxen, we just keep on plowing through life. Whatever comes our way. You see, the book of Hebrews is telling us don't give up. Don't quit. You can do it. Now, let me ask you have you ever been tempted to give up? Have you ever had that thought in your mind that what's the reason? What's the purpose of trying to live this Christian life? Are you being tempted or advised to give it up? Oh, I'm sure that sometimes when people look at our lives and they see that we're having a difficulty and it's really because of what we believe that the Bible teaches and we're struggling in this life, sometimes people would say, just give it up. I've had people that tell me that their doctor said, stop going to church. Don't do that if that's affecting your health. You have people in your life. Maybe it's a, a, a family member. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's just a distant relative. But they're telling you to quit. Friends at work, school, advising the same thing. When you study the book of Hebrews, <clears throat> you find that they were tempted to give up. And God in His Word is saying, don't give up. The race is not over. The book of Hebrews was written to give us reason to keep on keeping on when we're weary 
on this road that we're, we're racing on. Even Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. What's he saying? He's saying keep on keeping on. Because if you get tired and you quit, guess what? You're not going to finish the race and you're not going to be successful. So keep on keeping on. Hebrews was written to people who years previously had accepted the Lord and had withstood some very harsh persecution. They, in fact, were ready and willing to die for Christ. But the good news was they did not have to do that. The persecution that they were enduring subsided. And things began to settle down in that church that this letter was written to became safe, secure, comfortable, complacent, and apathetic. And then all of a sudden, things changed. The political situation changed. <clears throat> and persecution returned. And it returned with a vengeance. And the once faithful church out of fear, was tempted to give up. Listen to what the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. The call to remembrance of former days in which after ye were illuminated, you endured a great fight of affliction, partly whilst thou were made a gazing stock both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion on me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. The Hebrew writer is saying, Look, I realize what you've gone through. And I realize what you've endured, but it isn't worth giving up now. You keep on keeping on. And things may be peaceful, but if persecution comes, guess what? Keep going. Keep running this race. Stay in the race. Don't give up. Why? Because the reward in the end is going to be worth it. So listen to listen, listen. Regardless of who you are, regardless of your situation in life. There's going to be times in our lives where we need endurance, where we need patience, where we need to persevere, and we need to have long-suffering. So how do we do it? How do we deal with adversity today? How do we keep from giving up when adversity comes our way? Well, first, we have to, invert, we have to embrace our adversity. We must understand in this life that there is much more character growth through suffering than there is when everything is going well. It was that way for the church that we read about in the book of Hebrews, and it's true for us here today. You think about your life. 
about the times that you went through some difficult time in your life. You grew more at that time if you were trying to do what God wanted you to do. You grew more by in your character than when everything is going well. It wasn't pleasant when you went through it. It wasn't pleasant with the ordeal, but guess what? You were a better person when you came through it if you did it with God's help. James tells us says it this way in James chapter one verses two through four. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience, and let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You look at that and you say, James, what are you talking about? Are we supposed to be joyful when we fall into these tribulations? Are we supposed to be enjoying it? What's wrong with your thinking? No one likes that. Well, the point is, you don't like it. I don't believe Paul and Silas liked it when they had been beaten and put in jail. But you see what the result was. They still were happy inside. They still had the joy, the peace that passeth all understanding. And brethren, there's things that's going to happen to us in life. And when they do, they can make us a better person if we will allow it to happen. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, which we've already read. Not only so, but ye, we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh us not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Paul, what's wrong with you? Here again, you're saying glory in tribulation. What's wrong with these people? Because they realize that suffering has a purpose. That when trials take place in our lives, there's a purpose behind those trials. There's purpose behind those temptations. There's a reason for it. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus was about to die. He was about to die on the cross. The most cruel death that anyone could imagine at that particular time. And He's telling His disciples, when you see the result afterwards, when they were hiding, they were in fear for their lives, He's telling them, don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going away, but I'm coming back. And I'm going to take you with me when I go. What's he saying? It's going to be okay. And he's saying, you can do it. You see, the abundant life looks like this. Tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. And biblical hope does not disappoint. You look at an oyster and a pearl. That oyster gets a grain of sand inside that's an irritant. But after time, it produces a pearl that is sought after by many people. So think about those irritating things that take place in your life. What they can help you to become. They can help you to become something that's very valuable to the Lord if 
we will allow it to do so. God wants to use our troubles to develop endurance within us. Look at what Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6-7. through Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it was tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Peter, you must have been hanging around Paul too much. Because you're talking about temptations are a good thing. But those things test us. And you say that it's better than precious gold. Now we see the value of gold today in our society. But the trying of our faith can produce something that's much more valuable than gold. If we will allow it to do that. You see, adversity will come. And there will be obstacles in our path. But the Spirit of God says you can do it. Don't give up. Don't quit. Second, we must make proper use of our crowd of witnesses. In Hebrews, they were obviously going through difficult times. And they were tempted to give up. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we find there a group of people who are moved by faith to obey God. You'll find people like Noah and Abraham and Sarah and different individuals that are listed who by faith they did what God told them to do. That faith moved them and motivated them to obey what God instructed them to do. And we are here today as a result of their faithfulness to God. Had Noah not been faithful to God, guess what? We may not be here today at all. Because we know that when he did what God told him to do, that he was saved, him and his family. So every one of us are a descendant of Noah. And so if Noah had disobeyed God, this could have all come to an end. But he was faithful. Just like all those other individuals that are mentioned in that chapter. They weren't perfect. But they were faithful. Now listen to what it says in chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. That's all those people that I just talked about. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endureth such contradictions of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. Did you catch that second verse? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross? How many of us would want to die on a cross to do what He wanted to do? To have the joy. That was a joyous experience for Him. 
Not the pain and the suffering, but knowing that He was doing His Father's will because He knew that if He continued to plow through and do what God said do, you and I could have our sins wiped away. And so He willingly did what God wanted Him to do because He knew the joys that were going to come out on the other side. He endured those things. And I think in that verse we see three things. First, we see we need to allow these great men and women of faith to encourage us. We need encouragers in the Lord's church. People that will encourage us to do the right thing. To say the right thing. And when they see us doing something that we shouldn't do, they need to encourage us to turn and do the right thing. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, it tells us, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope. So those individuals that we read about, although they're in the Old Testament and they're great characters, they're there for a reason to encourage us. To show us that faithfulness is something that is expected out of God's people and when we are faithful, the rewards are tremendous. We need to read their stories again and again and again and again. I know sometimes as teachers we get tired of saying the same thing over and over and over. Repeating the Old Testament stories all the way through the nursery class, all the way up into the high school class, the same stories over and over and over. But there's a reason for that. Because people need to see those that were faithful to God and those that did things that were wrong. And we need to be encouraged to follow the right example. And so from the Old Testament, we learn that we can read and study and learn from these individuals. The second thing that we learn from Hebrews chapter 12 is that we need to throw off everything and everybody that hinders our progress. What is it that Satan has placed in your way, in your mind, that keeps us from keeping on keeping on? I want to say this, and I hope you don't get upset. But sometimes what holds us back is a who, not a what. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes what holds us back is a who, not a what. Are there people that you need to discard from your everyday walk because they're not helping you live the Christian life? Because they're not encouraging you to do the right thing? Are there those that are keeping us from excelling in our walk with God? I would imagine that there are. Why are we keeping them in our friendship circles? Why keep anybody there that challenges our relationship with Jesus? That keeps us from wanting to be like Jesus. There are people that I have as friends that I know could care less about what I believe. But they're not encouraging me to do the wrong thing. And they're not trying to stop me from doing the right thing. Because if they did, they would not be my friend. And so we need to understand there are people in our lives that are going to encourage us to do the right thing and there's people that are going to encourage us to do the wrong thing. And sometimes it's with words, sometimes it's with example, sometimes it's with both. And those that are going to lead us astray need to be cast aside. 
There are others in my life, though, that really do care. They'll do all that they can to help me to succeed as a Christian. They'll help me to in my work as a preacher. And regardless of the difficulties I face, they're there to help. Because they know what my ultimate goal is, is heaven. And that's their goal. And together, we'll accomplish that mission. Sometimes we need to thin out those who are a negative influence in our lives. Now, that's not easy to do. Because guess what? We all want to be liked. We all want to have friends. But we need to realize the kind of friends that we need. You say, well, I just hang around them because I hope to change them someday. Back in the summer, I let my dogs out one night. They came back in the house and guess what? It took me about two seconds to figure out who they'd been running with. There was a skunk out there. And guess what? That smell influenced my house and influenced me my family, because guess what? Everywhere you went, you could smell that skunk smell. I don't care how much you washed it or how much you scrubbed, you could still smell that skunk. It had an impact on us just being in the vicinity. And the same is true with people. You know, it sounds good. But we know the effects of gossip. We don't need to be doing that. But yet we hang around people that do that. Is that helping us to get closer to God? Is it helping us to encourage that people that are, that person that people are gossiping about? So sometimes the simple things are the things that are holding us back. Paul realized the need to have good friends. In 1 Corinthians 15 chapter and verse 33, he says, "Be not deceived; evil communication corrupt good manners." So indeed, sometimes it's not the circumstances that cause us to give up. It's the people. If it's a friend that's holding you back, then you are paying, paying, P-A-Y-I-N-G, paying too much for that friendship because it may cost you your soul in the end. Third, we need to leave the sin that so easily besets us behind. Every one of us has such a sin, don't we? Acknowledging the fact is the first step in getting rid of it. Denying we have such means that we will never rid ourselves of that weakness. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to acknowledge that sin. Get rid of it in our lives. But sometimes we want to hang on to it. We mentioned on Wednesday night in our Bible class that some were worshiping idols but they had secret sins in their heart, secret things that they did. That may describe some of us. We have secret things that no one knows about but God. 
We need to get those things out of our lives. You see, the Hebrew writer is saying genuine biblical perseverance is, is created when we have our learning from great men of faith, excluding those who influence us wrongly, that hold us back from being what we know we should be, and by acknowledging our favorite sin, getting rid of sin in our lives, and dealing with that sin that so easily besets us. If you ever see a runner, most runners that I've ever seen, they don't have those big army backpacks on their back and they don't have pockets loaded down with stuff. If they're serious runners and running on a marathon, they're as lean and mean as they can be. Why? Because they realize that all those other things just slow them down. You watch an Olympic runner, guess what? You're not going to see heavy weights around their ankles. They're running to win. Are we running this race to win? I hope that we can hear what the Word of God is telling us on those three points. Our third point, we must find our purpose and pursue it. Don't ever think about giving up. Why are we here is not in, and not in heaven? It's something that people will sometimes say. Why am I still here? The Scripture tells us that we're here to serve and to do good works. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God created us for a purpose. That purpose is to serve Him. To do His work. To do what He wants us to do. In James chapter 1 and verse 27, pure religion undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to, be, and to keep Himself unspotted from the world. We have a responsibility as Christians. In Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. As a Christian, we're here to serve God. We're to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this life. Brethren, when we don't know our purpose when we don't know our function, it's easy to give up. How many people have I heard or you heard say over the years, I don't understand why God is leaving me here. I have no purpose. These people are ready to die. They have no reason to go on. They're giving up. And I want you to listen to this. When we have no spiritual purpose, when we have no work to do in the Lord's kingdom, when we don't know why we are here, we're ready to die spiritually. Don't go there. Don't think that thought. And if you're already thinking that thought, or if you're already there, get out of there. Get away from it as quick as you can. 
before it's too late. You see, we have a choice. We can find our purpose. We can find our talent. We can find your place in the Lord's church and then pursue it. Don't give up. Don't even think about giving up. You see, living the abundant life is like a mountain peak to pursue. It's work to get to the top of a mountain. You'll sweat. You'll want to sit down and rest. You'll be tempted, if it's a challenging mountain, to turn around and go back. But when you get to the top of that mountain, the view is spectacular. And it was worth all the effort that you put into it. Point number four. We need to acknowledge that there are some things that cannot be changed. I see people spending time, talent, energy, money trying to change things that they cannot change. And all of that ends up in a life of frustration. And it certainly will not lead to the abundant life. You might remember the story of the captain of a destroyer that saw an, uh, an object on his radar and he radioed ahead and said, alter your course 20 degrees because we're on a collision course. He's radioed back, you, I advise you to alter your course 20 degrees. And the captain became angry and he said, I'm the captain of a destroyer. Alter your course 20 degrees. The answer came back, I'm a lighthouse. I encourage you to alter your course 20 degrees. There are some things that we cannot change in this life. Don't spend your time, waste your time trying to change that person or that circumstance that is not going to change. And pray to God that we may have the wisdom to know the difference between what we can and what we cannot change. And my final point, we must keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our mind on the goal. As it tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, we'll read it again, Wherefore, seeing we also have encompassed ourselves, or encompassed about our, with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience that race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who by the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. Brother, we need to keep our eyes on Christ. We need to keep our eyes on the goal. And that'll help us to keep on keeping on. That'll help us to realize that we don't want to quit this race because if we quit, we're going to pay a tremendous price. And just like Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith, we look to Him as our example who endured the cross so that you and I could have salvation the forgiveness of sin, and have the hope of heaven as our home. You see, we endure because He endured. But we don't have to persevere on our own. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 11 tells us 
that we are strengthened with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. We're not in this battle alone. Jesus will help us if we will allow Him to do so. God's Word helps us if we will allow it to do so. That Spirit that is in us through that Word will help us if we will allow it to do so. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 21 or 31, it says, What shall we say? What what then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So can we win this race? With God's help we can. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. With God's help. We can do it. With God's help, you can do it. I can do it. But we have to trust Him. So the question is, can we finish this course? Can we do this? And I believe the answer is, yes, you can. Because God says, nothing's impossible with His help. And if you're not a child of God, you need to start your pursuit of God in pursuit of that good life, that abundant life today by having faith in what God's Word teaches about Jesus, about God, and what we must do in order to be saved. And then we must repent of our sins, turn away from those sins, confess the name of Christ, and be buried with our Lord in baptism. We go down into that water and we come up out of that water and that represents the death, burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He went in that tomb. He came out of that tomb. We go down in that tomb of water, a sinner. We come up out of that water, a new creature, a child of God. And our sins are blotted out and remembered against us no more. What a blessing that is to know that God, the Creator of this universe, would do that for you and me. And if you are His child, the encouragement from the Word this morning is to run with, run with patience and endure that race that has been set before us. Pursue the good life, the abundant life, and you'll have a heaven as your home. So this morning, if you need to respond to the invitation, we would encourage you to do so. You have that opportunity while we stand and sing.